So last week, we started a conversation about the direction of the church. Last week, we also started a conversation about worship. And we talked a little bit about what worship should look like on a daily basis. But today, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about why we should worship. And what's crazy is we've been reading, or the boys have been reading this little Bible, this little Bible book of prayers, and one of the first ones that we read in here, or that Colton read in here, was talking about why we were created. And Colton, being the brave little man he is, are you nervous? Good job. Come on over here. (laughs) Wanted to read this scripture to you. Open it up. Thank you, Lord, for pretty flowers blooming in the spring. Thank you, Lord, for sunny days and tiny birds that sing. The animals are waking up. The earth is fresh and new, and everything that you have made is giving praise to you. Song of Solomon Chapter 2, verse 11, 12. Very good. Everything that you have made is giving praise to you. I am so proud of you. I am very proud of you. You're going to have to give me a second now. Today we're going to be coming from Matthew chapter 28. It's going to be on the screen, but we're also going to be coming from Romans chapter 12. This is where we will spend a majority of our time. If you have our app, you can find the sermon notes under the more tab at the bottom of our app. If you don't have our app, you can get our app off the bulletin that you received as you come in. There's a little QR code on the back and um, just scan it, create a little sign in. If you've given online, you've already got a sign in. It's all connected together. But today's sermon is titled, just like the rest of them for the next four weeks and last week, Up, Out, In. What we're talking about is we're talking about the direction that Jesus has for his church. And I told you I'm going to challenge you on a couple of things over the next couple of weeks. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to read this scripture. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 together. So Eric, if you will, pull that up. Starting in verse 16, read with me now. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to a mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." The directions that Jesus has for his church are extremely simple. How many of y'all remember the hand signs? For those who wasn't here this week, we're going to do some hand signs. The directions of the church are up, out, in. Let's do it again. The directions for the church are 
up, out, in. And while we are going up, out, and in, we should be doing two things constantly. We should be reaching. We talked about reaching in worship last week. And we should always be serving. Reaching with hands out wide, serving with hands open. A lot of people have a lot of different thoughts about worship, about when it should happen, about where it should happen. And there was even a woman at one point in time who was having a conversation with Jesus about when and where worship should happen. It was a Samaritan woman. You can find it in John chapter 4. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to paraphrase it. But she said that some people say that we are supposed to worship on this mountain. And some people say that we're supposed to worship in this city. So where is it, Jesus, that we are truly to worship? And Jesus says to her, there is coming a day. There is coming a time. There is coming an hour when you will neither worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem. God desires that the true worshipers, the true worshipers, will worship him in spirit and in truth. God desires for such a people to worship him in spirit and truth. So what does it mean to truly worship Jesus in spirit and truth? Well, first, let's talk about what it truly means to worship. Last week, we gave this definition for worship. Some of you remember it. Some of you may not. This may be the first time you've seen it. But pure worship is when everything that we are acknowledges everything that he is. Everything encompasses every part of our being, our body, our soul, our work, our children, our wives, our day-to-day activity, our coming and going, everything encompasses all of that. So how do we do that? How do we worship God in spirit and truth? But here's another question. Why? Why do we worship God? Why do we worship the God of Abraham? Why do we worship the God of Jacob? Why do we worship Jehovah? Well, the answer is given to us in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is funny. Me and Tommy were talking about this week. Is one of our favorite scriptures. Not only that, in some of your Bibles, you'll notice it is even titled, and I did not plan this. It is, it is entitled in your Bible as a dedicated service. We've just seen the dedication of these children into God's service. And now we're going to talk about our dedication into his sermon. So if you will, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through, 12, uh, 1 through 8, read along with me. Therefore, I urge you, brethren... By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as you have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, the individually, individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, in prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, in service, in his serving, for he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liber liberally, <clears throat> he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Pray with me. Father, your service is why we were created. And as we spend some time today talking about what it means to serve up, to serve you in worship, to serve each other in worship, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to not be bogged down or have our minds pulled away with everything that's going on in our lives right now. Father, I pray that you would help us to guard our minds right now because there are so many things that Satan's wanting to throw at us to keep us to, from hearing the truth of what your word has for us. So Father, as always, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what this word has for us this morning as we direct our worship and service up to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you continue to do for us. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. I thank you for the blessing of just being able to be here today. We do ask, Lord, that you be with many this morning who've lost loved ones, the Sullivan family, the Arndt family, the Meeks family. But we also pray this morning, Lord, for all those who are sick we also lift up our brothers, Lord, our brothers and sisters who are right now co-working and co-laboring as churches in different areas. Father, I'm so thankful that Donna's able to be here with us this morning. And I pray for her husband as he ministers to Life Church of New York this morning. Father, this morning we're desperately in need of you. You are our God. You are our Savior. And it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray all these things to you this morning. Amen. This scripture is one that demands attention. 
The reason it demands attention is the way Paul starts off. I urge you, brethren. We'll change it a little bit for everybody today. I urge you, brethren and sistren, if that's even a word. But he is urging us to something that needs our undivided attention. He is calling our direction to what he is about to say. And he goes on to say that by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice. When we hear the word sacrifice, we don't normally think about living, do we? When we think about the word sacrifice, we're normally thinking about something that has to die. We think about the animal, or I think about the animal, that had to die when Adam and Eve sinned. God took the skin of an animal and covered their shame. The only way to get the skin of an animal is an animal has to die. We think about the offering of Abraham, offering his son Isaac. Man, can you imagine being in his position Putting your son, your child on an altar, having the knife drawn back, trusting God that he is going to provide another way, but willing to sacrifice everything on that altar for God. And sure enough, as soon as he's about to bring that knife down, an angel says, stop. Abraham looks over. And a ram is caught in the thicket. That ram is offered to God as a sacrifice. A holy, acceptable sacrifice. When I think about sacrifice, I can't help but think about our veterans. We're getting ready at the end of this month to celebrate Memorial Day. Memorial Day, it bothers me because a lot of people get Memorial Day and Veterans Day confused a lot of people will say well think a veteran on memorial day no you think the ones who gave their life for our country on memorial day memorial day is the day that we remembered that some that all sacrificed some but at the same time there were some that sacrificed all the thought of a sacrifice to be living is not something that we think about a lot We don't think about our bodies as being a living sacrifice. But honestly, we don't think about our lives being sacrificial at all. Sacrificial life is a hard life to live. Especially in a world that tells you to get all you can get. God's word tells us to sacrifice everything that we are. Sacrifice is losing something. While we are living, we also must lose. Holy is righteousness that is living life right. A living and holy sacrifice is not about getting something. A holy and living sacrifice is about giving something. We're not used to it. We're not used to it. We live in a selfish, greedy culture. 
And that's why Paul gave these very next words in verse 2. He said, do not be conformed to this world. The word conformed comes from the same word, the Greek word, schema. And schema has everything to do with fashion. Has everything to do with fashion. How many of you people like fashion? Can anybody tell me why mullets are fashionable again? Please, explain it. I'm seeing more of them, and I seen one perm the other day. I really feel like we're back in 1980. But when we're talking about schema, we're talking about fashion. When we're talking about being conformed, we're talking about a fashion of an outer, um, um, outer appearance. And you know, what's funny is the same word that's used here in schema is also the word that we use to get masquerade. You know what a masquerade is? A masquerade's a party. It's a party where you dress up, but at the same time, when you dress up to the nines, kind of like our prom kids did last night, you also wear a mask. And the mask covers your face while your body is dressed in all fashion, your face is covered. Masks are something that we've become used to. It's something that's becoming a culture, a part of our life. And I want you to understand something. What I'm about to say, I'm not taking a stance for mask or against mask. I have a lady who lives in my neighborhood who every time sees me mowing grass with the, my neck gator on, She's pointing at me, and I know what she's thinking. She's saying, he thinks he's going to get COVID on that lawnmower. <laughs> so I know what it's like to be judged for that. But we all know what it's like to wear a mask. A couple of benefits that I found to mask, there were some good things about mask. Y'all know that, right? Mask covered bad breath. Think about it. You never had an issue with bad breath well, you smelt your own maybe, but you never smelt somebody else's breath when we were wearing masks. And another good thing about masks, if you wore one in the store, it was not a guarantee that you would be recognized. You remember that? And I know some of you don't understand that. But for me to go to the grocery store, most of y'all go to the grocery store, how long does it take you? An hour? When I go to the grocery store, it's going to take me at least two hours. Jennifer hates going to the grocery store with me. Whenever we go out of town, she's always like, do you want to go ahead and go to the grocery store? And the reason being is because I'm a very social person. I like to socialize. I like to talk. I like to talk to individuals. I like to see how they were doing. But when we were doing that, it was a benefit because I could go to the grocery store and I could be out of there in 30 minutes. It was awesome. I didn't even know that thing ex that existed. But there were also some bad things to mask, especially for somebody who was born with a fat head. <laughs> I do not know who created these masks, but it completely bothered me having to wear them. Not because of having to wear them, but because of how they looked on me. You know, we got the paper mask. Those are just a little square mask. For most of y'all, those paper masks will come to here to here. For me, with my big head, that mask comes from here to here. It looks like I ordered masks from Victoria's Secret. <laughs> it looks horrible on me. 
It is a piece of cloth from here to here, and it looks ridiculous on me. My ears are pulled forward because they don't design these masks for big heads. So then I thought I'd get an N95 mask. So that looks like it'd fit better, right? Y'all remember when you played baseball or sports? You remember that little cone cup that you would get out of the igloo cooler to get you some water? Y'all remember that? That's what an N95 mask looks like on me. It looks like a little cone cup. And then I thought, well, I'll get neck gaiters because I've seen a lot of people wearing neck gaiters. Well, what I didn't realize is they're not one size fits all. Neck gaiters on me looks like you've taken a piece of saran wrap and wrapped it around my head. It's spandex for my head. I don't wear spandex. Spandex has a weight limit and I exceeded that a long time ago. But these masks do a lot of bad things other than just the funny parts of my life. These masks also covered up who I was. And all of us, on a daily basis, wear a mask. And I'm not talking about N95. I'm not talking about surgical. I'm not talking about neck gaiters. I'm talking about the mask that we put on every day. The appearance that we put on every day. The appearance that some of you put on this morning as you come to church. The appearance that some of you will put on tomorrow as you go to work. And the hard thing about these masks is we're not recognized for who we really are. I hated that about the mask time. I'd walk up to somebody and I wanted to pull it down because I didn't know who they were all the time. But the mask we wear on a daily basis hide who we really are. We don't recognize who we are. And when we put on certain masks, God doesn't even recognize who we are. The reason? He is our creator. When Paul is saying, do not be conformed to this world, do not be conformed to this schema, this fashion. He is telling the people to watch the outward appearance that you put on. Because the first part of worshiping in truth, worshiping in truth, is first you have to acknowledge who God is. But we also have to acknowledge who we really are. We can't worship unless we truly acknowledge who we are. And who we are is not somebody we like. That's why we put on the mask. That's why we put on the happy face. That's why we put on the appearance. Because deep down, all of us know that every single one of us are nothing more than broken, undone, nasty, wretched, filthy people. We know what we've done. We know the lives that we lived. We know the sins that we've made. We know the sins that nobody else knows. But I want to remind you this. There is not a mask that you can put on that can ever truly hide who you are to the eyes of a holy, righteous God. 
and part of true worship. Worship of who God really is. We have to acknowledge who we really are. But Scotty, that's not perfect. Scotty, that is flawed. Scotty, I am a horrible person. God sent his son to die for you, knowing that you're a horrible person. Knowing that you're flawed. Knowing that you had all of these imperfections. And you know what amazes me? He did it anyway. He did it anyway. We put these masks on because we want to put off a perception that we have everything together. We can't truly worship like that because the truth is we don't have it all together. We don't have it all together. Every Sunday, I'm going to give you all a little snippet into my mindset before I come up here on stage because I know I don't have it all together. I have a bad habit. I go to the bathroom and I forget to zip my fly. Anybody else do that? I got so many things going through my mind. Brian Szynski called it not too long ago. He said, every time you go up to the pulpit, you'll do this. You know why I do this? I want to make sure I've got it all together. Me and Jennifer, we decided a long time ago that it's best that we drive separate. Because every time we would drive to church, what would happen? A fight would break out. And I don't even know where the fights come from. But I mean, we would be fussing at each other. She said a lot of four-letter words to me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> she did not. But we did this. And then we walked into this church like everything was great. Like everything was grand. Like everything was perfect. Why? Because that's what people expect. No. That's what a broken, flawed, imperfect world expects. And that's why we should never be conformed to this world. That's why Paul goes on to say, we need a daily transformation of our minds. And this transformation is necessary. We have to be we have to be true to who we really are, acknowledging all of our flaws. But also we have to be true to the fact of acknowledging that we are his creation. He created us. He created us perfect. We got involved. We done done perfection. We're good at undoing perfection. But we need to realize that. And when we put on the mask of the world, we think we're covering up everything. But the truth of the matter is, we're trying to play hide and seek with a God who can see everything. Can we truly worship like that? Can we truly worship a God who wants to meet our ever need if we think we have it all together? Can we truly worship a God who sent his son to die for us if we think we have no sin? 
Can we truly worship a God who created us in his image if we're trying to bear the image of a world? A lot of people have a problem with church because of this. They come in and they see people who look like they have their life together. Man, I wish they'd come to my house for five minutes. I wish they would come to my house for five minutes at 6.30 in the morning. You want to see a family that doesn't have it together? Come at 6.30 in the morning. Five o'clock, we have two boys that will run to our bed. Then, 6.30, we're trying to get out of the bed, and you see these two little monsters clinged onto the side of their mom. And then when she finally sheds them, the fighting begins. And when they start fighting, daddy gets mad. I can't help it. I just woke up. I haven't even had coffee. I'm not good. That's who we really are. We're real people who have real struggles, who have real problems, and who are in need of a real Savior. For us to truly worship in spirit and truth, we have to acknowledge who we are, and our desperate need for him. But with that transforming of the mind, that daily transforming and renewing of the mind, something else starts to happen in us. Spiritual growth starts to happen in our lives. And we start to be able to really know what it's like to worship in spirit and truth. The reason Jesus said, you will not worship in this mountain or in this city is because Jesus knew that one day worship would be centered here. Not here. Here. There. 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 Wherever you are. Because when we truly perform our first act of worship to him, acknowledging who we are, what does he do? He sends his spirit to dwell within us. You see, the people used to have to go to the temple to worship God. Why did they have to go to the temple to worship God? Because that's where God resided. Behind the Holy of Holies. And you know what? Not just anybody could go in there. There was a veil. A veil that some say was about four inches thick. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a veil that thick before. That's a thick veil. And this veil was put there to protect, protect people from the presence of God. Because if a sinful, unrighteous person were to be in the presence of God, they're dead. Some say they would even tie a rope around the priest in case he wasn't right. Because if he went dead, we didn't want somebody in there stinking up the Holy of Holies. We wanted to pull him out. There was a separation. This is what the people understood. 
But when Christ died on the cross, when that earth quaked, that veil ripped. And I want you to understand how it ripped. It ripped from top to bottom. As if somebody was tearing it. Just like we tear a piece of paper. But this wasn't just a normal piece of paper. This was a four inch thick felt veil. Have any of you ever tried to tear a felt? It's impossible. It stretches. It stretches. And it stretches more. And the only way this veil could have been ripped is with an all-powerful God ripping that veil. And because of Christ's death on the cross, we were able to be in the presence of God. And then he chose something amazing to do. He didn't choose a house to indwell his spirit with. He didn't choose a building to indwell his spirit with. He did choose a temple. And that temple is us. We worship in truth by acknowledging who we are. And if we conform to this world, we cannot worship him in truth. Paul is urging the Romans to give up with fitting in. Because true worship requires acknowledging his creation, our fallenness, but his faithfulness. And then when we realize that, his spirit indwells in us. And I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this again in verses 3 through 8 about what happens. Because, you know, when we're putting on these masks, what are we trying to do? We're trying to look like everybody else, aren't we? We're trying to fit in. But that's not the way God created us. Let's look at it again. I'll read it one more time, starting in verse 3, going through 8. For through the grace given to me, for through the grace given to you, I say to everyone among you to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, all members do not have the same function. Why do we want to be like everyone else when God created us to be different? We're not built to fit in. We are created to stand out. We are created to look different, to sound different, to talk different, to act different. We are created to even do different tasks when it comes to serving Him in His worship. He says, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. We'll go back to that in a minute. But since we have gifts that differ according to grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Prophecy. Prophecy, the first gift that's mentioned. A lot of people think this is about predicting. Modern day prophecy is what I'm doing right here. This is modern day prophecy. I'm declaring what has already been told to us. There is no new prediction. There is no new prophecy. 
The revelation of Jesus Christ was the last prophecy. There's nothing to foretell except Jesus coming. There's nothing new for me to tell you except what's in this word. And this is what modern day prophecy looks like. But then he doesn't just stop with prophecy. He goes on with service. And I know a lot of you have this spiritual gift. This spiritual gift of helping others. It amazes me when I'm calling people to check on them. I love calling people to check on them. And here, well, so-and-so called me earlier. Miss Carolyn brought me dinner. Ernie dropped by to check on me. This is a gift of service. And I'm going to tell you something. We think that everybody should have this gift. No, scripturally, everybody should not have this gift. Everybody should have different gifts. But I see this gift in many of you. The next one is the gift of teaching. Again, there is one. And I'm not holding him, up. I'm not holding him higher than Brian. I'm not holding him higher than Tommy. I'm not holding him higher than Brian than any other teacher. But I am so amazed at what I am seeing in Nathan Saunders' life when it comes to teaching the Word of God. And what amazes me even more is he didn't start off little. It's funny, we think when people start teaching that they should start teaching with kids and then move on up to teenagers. And then after they get those, they should move on up to adults. I'm going to be honest with you, our best teachers should be in our children's classes. And the reason being is because those foundational years are short. Birth to 13 are the foundational years for learning in a child's life. Why do we think our best teachers should be in our adult ministry? They're old. They're crusty. You can't tell them anything new. Half the time they don't listen. Half of y'all won't remember what I say tomorrow. Teaching is a gift. The next gift, man, this is one we don't see a lot, exhortation, encouragement. I know a lot of people who are top notch in the ministry of discouragement. You know what I mean? You can have everything going right for your day. Your hair can look like it's not thinning. That's just me. You can drive to work and not hit one red light. You can go through the drive-thru and they get your order perfect. But then you get to work and there's that one person who wants to find the flaw in everything. Well, you missed a button on your shirt. <laughs> Pastor Rain later. The ministry of encouragement is something that is needed more in the church today than ever. Because let's just be honest. How many people in here are discouraged with the way things are going in this world right now? We don't need any more discouragement. We've got enough. If we want discouragement, we'll turn on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. But we need the gift of encouragement in our church more than ever. Because I don't know about y'all, but I want to tell you a little secret about me. I want to tell you a little secret about Tommy. I want to tell you a little secret about Jerry. We're our worst critics. We point out flaws in what we do every day before y'all even know it. 
On the way home, I'm kind of glad we're redoing things the way we're doing with recording the message because you know what? On the way home, I used to press YouTube and listen to myself on the way home and scrutinize myself on everything I didn't say and some of the things that I did say. Constantly, every single one of us are good at pointing out our own flaws. But I don't hear a lot of people pointing out the good things that everybody's doing in the church. Exhortation is a spiritual gift that needs to be revitalized. And there are some of you, I've seen it, there are some of you who have this gift. Don't hold it back. The next one's given. Generosity. Giving generously. This in itself, too, is a gift. Man, as I look back over what we've been able to do over the last couple of years, I've almost been embarrassed. I'm going to be honest with you. I've almost been embarrassed at some of our pastor's meetings. Because I'm hearing my brothers struggle because their offerings went down drastically. Some offerings went down as much as 50%. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at our offerings and I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world is going on? Because our offerings didn't go down. Our offerings went up. And you say, well, that's because people have a good heart. No, it's because some people are really gifted in being generous. Some people have this gift to not only give generously to the church, but also to give generously in the community. There's some of you I know who have this gift. And again, I encourage you to use this. Leadership is another one. This is directing, directing a group of people in the way that they should go. And guys, I want to tell you, I want you to pray for me in this aspect. Because I want to lead you according to what this says, not according to what I think up here. Because if I lead you according to what I think up here, I'm going to lead you wrong. But if I will lead you according to what this says right here, I know I will never lead you wrong. Pray for me, please. But the last one, the last one is probably the most overlooked gift. And it's called mercy. Some call it kindness. But I'm going to lump it under one word. It's called hospitality. How important is hospitality? We don't think of it as important, do we? We don't think about it as something that we need to be continually doing. And when I think about hospitality, there is one person that comes to my mind every single time. And her name's Mary Carnes. I have never met a woman more hospitable in my life Everybody will be coming into the sanctuary. They'll be getting their seats. Not Mary. Mary's like a little bee going from flower to flower to flower. She's going to make sure that she talks to everybody who comes in. If there's somebody new here, she's going to make sure that she tells them that she's glad that they're here. And I can't tell you the number of the times I've been asked, who was the lady who introduced themselves to me? Because I can't remember it. I know exactly who it is. It's Mary Carnes. 
Can I tell you why that's so important? Because if people come into this congregation feeling welcome, they're going to be more receptive to what I have to say from here. A wall breaks down. A veil is lifted. People's ideas of church as a country club is annihilated. Hospitality is one of the most underlooked spiritual gifts out there. And I know some of you have it. And I want to urge you to continue in it. Because none of these gifts are things that you've worked on. None of these gifts are things that you did in yourself. These gifts are things that have been put in you. They have been put in you to serve God in worship, but also to serve others as you worship. To worship in spirit and truth is nailed down right here in Romans 12, 1 through 8. But the one thing that's not nailed down is why do we worship? So why do we worship? It's a great question. But to get to the answer, you don't go to Romans 12. You actually go to Romans 11. Paul starts off with saying, therefore. And y'all have heard me say it. Whenever you see in the Bible, therefore, you need to go back and look at why it is therefore. Because it is telling you something urgent pertaining to what is said before. And I'm going to summarize what's said before. What's said before is a conversation with Paul to the Romans or a letter about how salvation originally came from the Jews. What's funny is in John, John chapter 4 when Jesus is having that conversation with the woman, he tells that woman that salvation is from the Jews. But this salvation didn't just stop at the Jews. This salvation was spread to all that he had created. Even when God was writing the law, it's constantly said in there, any outsider who comes into the camp and makes me their God, I am their God. God didn't exclude it, but he did start it with his chosen people. And he wraps this up with this one statement. And I want you to look at this. In Romans 11, verse 36, it says, For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory. And I know some of you read that and you probably looked at it just like me. Now, what did he say? For him, from him, to him are all things. What does that mean? Well, let me go back to Romans 28, or Matthew chapter 28, and sum it up for you in verse 18. Jesus looks at the disciples, and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The authority to create is his. The authority to forgive is his. The authority to redeem is his. The authority to love is his. The authority 
to be angry. It's his. The authority to cast judgment is his. The authority to do all of these things belong to him. And the reason that we worship God is because even though, even though we stand before him as guilty, filthy, nasty sinners because of what his son Jesus Christ did on the cross, he sees none of that. He sees his original creation. God sees you like no one else can see you. God sees you like you don't even see yourself. You say, Biscotti, man, I've got this in my past. If you have professed Jesus Christ as your master and your king and your savior, you want to know something? God doesn't see that. He takes it and he casts it into a sea and he never brings it up again. He sees you better than what you even see yourself. He sees you in the image that he created you in. And through the eyes of Jesus, he sees you as perfect, sinless, righteous. Man, I'm going to go one even more. Holy. A priesthood. A body of imperfect people forgiven by a perfect Savior. That's why we worship. Father, we stand before you, Lord, as unperfect people. And the only way that we're able to come to you is because of what Jesus did for you or did for us. Father, the only way that we can really worship in truth is acknowledging who you are, but also acknowledging who we are and our desperate need for you. And because of that, Lord, you have gifted us with these gifts to be used in service to you. And Father, I am so thankful for the people that are using these gifts as service. But Father, let's face it, all of us could use a tune-up. All of us need revival. All of us need to realize, Lord, our desperate need for you, but also the goodness of who you are. This morning, Lord, if there is one here this morning who does not know you, it's Lord, Savior. I pray that before they leave this place, Lord, that you would put them before someone who's willing to share the gospel with them. I pray for the ones, Lord, who are struggling with some of the things that I said about wearing the mask. Father, I pray that this morning, 
as we sing this last song in worship, that all of us would take off the mask because you see us how we are. And what amazes me even more, Lord, is that you love us anyway. You love us with a love we don't deserve. You love us with a compassion that we don't understand. You love us, Lord, because you created us. And you created us to worship you. Daily reaching up to you. Daily serving you. So this morning, Lord, as we sing this last song, help us to take off those masks. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.